Welcome to our weekend services here at Christ Community Chapel. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm so glad you're joining us, especially if you're new. If you have stumbled onto our content online or you're checking us out for the first time online, we're so glad that you're joining us. We can't wait until we're back together physically on the weekends at Christ Community Chapel. And if you're new, I can't wait to meet you in person, but we're so glad that we can connect with you digitally through our services. So thanks for being here and thanks for joining us. We're continuing our sermon series we're calling Famous Stories of Love. It's part of our annual theme, which is that love matters most. You know, Jesus said that the entire Bible boils down to this, love God, and love your neighbor. And so we've been leaning into that this year and asking, what does that mean? And in this series, we're looking at stories, either that Jesus told or that he lived out, that show us just what it means to love God and love our neighbor. And we're going to do that this week by looking at a story that comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, and it's the story of Jesus's interaction with a man named Nicodemus. So I want to read that with you and then explain to you how we're going to go about understanding it in our time together. So will you look with me at John chapter 3? We'll begin in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit." And Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's God's word. And I want to use a three-point outline to navigate it as we think about it together. And actually, this outline forms kind of a sentence that is my main idea. First, I want to talk about difficult people. Second, that they're loved more than they imagine. And number three, that that can change their lives. So that all together it says, 
Difficult people are loved more than they imagine, and that can change their lives. Let's start with the first one, difficult people. You really can't understand this story unless you understand that Nicodemus is a difficult person. We're told that he is a Pharisee. The Pharisees were a group of religious leaders whose theology was primarily built around the idea that God had a set of rules and that loving God and honoring God required keeping those rules. And those who kept the rules were loved by God and could expect to be blessed by him. And those who did not keep the rules could expect the opposite. The Pharisees were Jesus's primary enemies. Now, I don't mean that Jesus didn't like them, but the opposite. They did not like Jesus. In fact, they would often show up when he was teaching or doing miracles or spending time with people. They would grumble or complain. They would ask him questions to entrap him. They would challenge him. Eventually, it is the Pharisees who will bring about the death of Jesus. So when I tell you that they hate him, I mean it literally. They hate him. He threatens all that they stand for, and he threatens their power and popularity. They view Jesus as an enemy. And yet, Nicodemus still comes to Jesus. But you'll notice he comes to him at night. Now, why does he do that? Well, because Nicodemus is curious about Jesus. Jesus's celebrity is rising. Nicodemus wants to ask him some questions, but he doesn't want to do it in any way that would threaten his own status within the Pharisees. So he visits Jesus at night. Now, keep in mind, in night and this time, you're not talking about street lamps lining the street. He didn't Uber over to Jesus. No, he goes to him under darkness so as not to be found out. And obviously, Jesus knows what he's doing. That's why when John recounts the story, he makes sure we know that Nicodemus comes at night. And as if that weren't enough, because it indicates Nicodemus's hypocrisy, his love of status, his desire for truth being a little less than his desire for fame and recognition within his own group. But when he comes to Jesus, now keep in mind, he is an enemy of Jesus. These Pharisees oppose Jesus and challenge him and will call him all kinds of names in public. But when he comes to Jesus at night, he says to Jesus, Jesus, we know that you are from God. Now, now wait a minute. This is one of Jesus's biggest enemies. These are the people who are going to kill him. And Nicodemus says to Jesus, look, let me be honest with you. In our secret Pharisee meetings, we know that you are from God because we see all the miracles you do. And no one could do these miracles unless they are from God. So Nicodemus comes at night. He doesn't want to risk his reputation. And when he stands before Jesus, he admits that his own group, and by implication himself, are nothing but a group of liars and hypocrites. They're, they oppose Jesus in public, but in private, they know he must be from God, which means then, if we follow Nicodemus's logic, that he knows Jesus is from God, and yet still he opposes Jesus. So he's even difficult in that he's not a purist. He's not really interested in knowing God. He's interested in what 
God can do for him, what religion and being his status as a religious teacher can do for him. And as if that weren't enough, his conversation with Jesus is full of challenging questions. Jesus tells him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. In other words, if you really want to know the answer to your questions, you have to undergo this amazing change. And Nicodemus says, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Jesus gives him a metaphor of the wind. And Nicodemus says, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Nicodemus is not an easy guy to talk to. He's not an easy guy to teach. He's not an easy guy to explain things to. And all of that, I just want you to see, means that he is a difficult person. This interaction Jesus is having is not with an easy guy or a likable guy, or an honest guy, or a pure guy, or a thoughtful guy. No, Jesus is engaging with a difficult person, a hypocrite, a status lover, whose curiosity is only coming out at night when it's safe. Nicodemus is a difficult person. And I say that because I want you to understand that whatever Jesus is getting ready to say he is going to say to someone who's difficult. Because most of us, when we think about the kind of person that God would engage, the kind of person that God would love, we think of that person as being anything other than difficult. That God loves lovable people. That God loves people who are easy to love. Moral people, clean people, honest people, pure people. And Nicodemus is not that. And I want you to consider that how Jesus responds to him is very important for us because if we're honest, all of us can identify with the difficulty of Nicodemus. All of us can identify with loving status more than truth, of not being willing to, to follow God or relate to God or listen to God in so much as it costs us something. All of us can admit to having a lot of questions, struggling to understand, struggling to believe, struggling to obey. All of us identify with the difficult parts of Nicodemus. So Jesus's response to him is incredibly instructive for us. How does Jesus deal with difficult people? Well, that leads me to my second point, which is to say that he tells Nicodemus, difficult people are loved more than they ever imagined. Jesus, first of all, does not turn Nicodemus away. Boy, I would have been tempted to. When Nicodemus came to me at night, I would have said to Nicodemus, you can come to me tomorrow at noon or you cannot come to me at all. If you're too ashamed to see me when other people are around, then I don't want to see you. When, when Nicodemus says, we know you're from God, I, if I were Jesus, I would have wanted to be wearing a wire in that moment to, to have recorded Nicodemus and then to blare it from loudspeakers the next day. Here is uh, an insider of the Pharisees admitting that I, I am from God. No, Jesus isn't like me, thankfully. Instead, he listens to Nicodemus and he talks to him. He says to him, you, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You're going to have to experience change. And even when Nicodemus says, but what does that mean, Jesus? Do you mean I have to climb inside my mother's belly and do this all over again? 
Jesus tries to explain it to him in a different way. He tells him, well, Nicodemus, it's like the wind. You, you see the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind itself. You've already admitted, Nicodemus, you know I'm from God. You see the things I'm doing, but what I've really come to do is make people like you knew. And when Nicodemus still doesn't get it, Jesus does something so beautiful. He takes a story from the book of Numbers, an Old Testament book, an Old Testament book that would have been in Nicodemus's Bible, a story Nicodemus would have known really well. And Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, do you remember the story when God is judging Israel and he allows poisonous snakes to enter their camp and the people are being bitten And they cry out to God for help. And God has Moses make a bronze serpent. And Moses lifts up the serpent. And all the Israelites who look at that serpent, they are healed and saved. In other words, Nicodemus, do you remember that in that story that God's judgment was on the sin of Israel, but they could escape his judgment because God loved them enough to give them a way of escape. And all they had to do was look at the one that he had made for them. And at that moment, Nicodemus would have been saying, yes, I know that story. I understand that story. And Jesus says this to him, Nicodemus, I am that man. I am like that bronze serpent. I have come in order that God might raise me up, in order that you might see, Nicodemus, that I'm not like you that you might see, like you just said, that I'm from God, that you might see the signs and the miracles that I do, and, and you might see something in me that is interesting and compelling to you. And he goes on to say that I might die for you. In John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, Jesus says that the Son of God has come to, to give his life in order that people might be rescued from God's judgment, that just as Moses lifted up the serpent so that the Israelites would be saved from God's judgment, Jesus came to take on all of our sin and to go to the cross and be lifted up just like that serpent in order that if we might look to him, God might be pleased to take the judgment that is on us and put it on Jesus so that just as Israel was rescued from the poisonous snakes, so also we might be rescued from God's righteous judgment over our sin. See, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you have come to me in the middle of the night because you know you're wrong, because you know you don't know God, because you know you're missing what God is doing, and you are, Nicodemus, and God's judgment is on you just like it was on Israel, but I have come. Because the same God who loved the Israelites enough to give them the bronze serpent has loved you enough to give you me. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's saying to this incredibly difficult person, this fraud, this hypocrite, this liar, he's saying to him, Nicodemus, you have to know that I am from God and I've come because God loves you very much. Enough even to send his own son to die for you. Now, what's fascinating about this is here's what that means for us. It means that if Jesus tells us that God loves even a difficult person like Nicodemus more than he could ever imagine, then he also can love us like that. 
And not even the the best version, not even the daytime version of us, not even the religiously hypocritical version of us, not even the one that everyone looks at and goes, wow, what a great guy. Wow, what a wonderful woman. No, no, no. He loves that nighttime, real, sweatpants-wearing, question-asking version of us. Jesus is telling us that difficult people are loved by God more than they ever imagined. Listen, I don't know your story, but if you're watching this and you're not yet a Christian and you wonder if God could ever love you, a story like John 3 is in there for you because you see Jesus interacting with this difficult person and he's kind and he's patient, giving him metaphor after metaphor, answer after answer, culminating in this answer, Nicodemus, You're wondering if the God that you know I come from loves you, and I'm here to tell you he does. And I'm going to prove that by dying in your place. Listen, if you're watching this and you feel disconnected from God and you recognize that you very much so want to know that he loves you and want to have relationship with you, Jesus isn't just telling Nicodemus. He's telling you that you can have that today in him, living in your place and dying in your place and raising from the dead. And when you come to see that difficult people like you and like me and like Nicodemus are loved by God more than we ever could imagine, it'll change everything about who you are. Of course, Jesus hints at that, right? When he tells Nicodemus, you have to be born again. But that's my third point. Difficult people are loved more than they could ever imagine and that will change their lives. This is not the only story about Nicodemus in the Gospel of John. In fact, if we turn forward to John chapter 19, he shows up again, this time at the crucifixion of Jesus. Now keep in mind that Nicodemus the first time comes to Jesus at nighttime so as to avoid being associated with Jesus. But in Jesus' crucifixion, his lowest moment of popularity, a time in which his own disciples abandoned him, a time in which to associate with Jesus wasn't just to be unpopular, it was potentially even to risk your own life. We're told that when Jesus died, two men took him off the cross and buried him. One was a man named Joseph, and the other, you might have guessed, is Nicodemus. Here's how it reads in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. It's interesting that we're told two men come to bury Jesus. One is Joseph. He's a secret believer, we're told. And the other is Nicodemus. And not only are we told that Nicodemus was not a secret believer. No, he was public at this point in his faith in Jesus. We're told he came carrying 75 pounds of spices. That is a lot of spices. Why? Well, in their culture, you would honor a dead person by covering their body in spices to slow down the process of decomposition. 
It was a way of showing that you loved that person even after their death. Nicodemus shows up with a wheelbarrow of spices at the burial of Jesus in the middle of the day at the lowest moment of Jesus's popularity. Why? Well, what had Jesus told him? That this God that Nicodemus was looking for loved difficult people like him enough that his own son would die for him. You see, the lowest moment of Jesus's popularity was the final convincing moment of Nicodemus's life that God loved him. Jesus had died for him just like he had said that he would. Nicodemus went from a coming to Jesus at night kind of guy to a 75 pounds of spices in the wheelbarrow in the middle of the day kind of guy because he had come to believe that God loved difficult people like him. Friend, what would your life look like if you believed that God loved the most difficult version of yourself more than you could ever imagine? What would your life look like if you really came to believe that Jesus died for the worst version of you in order that you might be forgiven and embraced by God? Because that is exactly what he has done. If you're watching this and you're feeling very difficult to love in this moment, I have to tell you that God loves you enough not only to send Jesus to die for you, but he loves you enough to record Nicodemus's story in John 3 and in John 19, just so that you would know difficult people like you and like me are loved more than we could ever imagine. And that can and will change our lives if we grab hold of Jesus.